you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Zechariah. I'll give you a second to find it. Find it, Zechariah, right before Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament. Zechariah chapter 10. Verse 2. I'm just going to read this one verse to begin this morning. Zechariah 10, verse 2. For the idols have spoken vanity, and the diviners have seen a lie, and have told false dreams. They comfort in vain. Therefore they went their way as a flock. They were troubled because there was no shepherd. We're doing a series on uh, short series, but we started last week. We'll finish next week. So it's a three-part series. This is the second part on progressive Christianity. I'm using progressive Christianity uh, as a almost like a platform or an example to talk about the need to to stand in the truth and to fight for the truth. And here we we read in this scripture that. Uh, these, these were false prophets in Israel's day. It's no different than in our day. It says that the idols have spoken vanity. The diviners have seen what? A lie and have told false dreams. They comfort in vain. When God comforts us, he really comforts us. It's not in vain. The comfort of the Holy Spirit, God comforts us. But these false teachers and preachers that are prophesying lies and speak in vanity, their comfort is in vain. Therefore, they went their way as a flock. They were troubled because there was no shepherd. And the Bible says that, uh, that the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now, I say this because I don't want you to think that uh, all that our church is about is pointing out the error that's out there. It's not about just the error that's out there. It's about standing firm in the truth and, and, and contending for the truth and rejoicing in the truth and being strong so that God can use us. That there can be a difference between what's really of God and what says it's of God but it's really not. We need to be what's really of God. We need to be strong in the Lord, filled with His Spirit, and filled with His love and compassion for people that are deceived in the midst of being deceived. Uh, we, we hate what they're doing. We hate their doctrines and their deeds and where it ends up. But we don't hate the people. We're praying for their, uh, their, them to come out of it. We're praying that their eyes would be open. If, if they're lost, that they would be saved. And so... But for the grace of God, that could be us. But by the grace of God, it's not going to be us. Because we're not of those that shrink back. We're not of those that are, uh, handle God's word carelessly or neglect it. We are going to walk closely with our Savior and Lord. And we're going to hear the voice of our good shepherd. Amen. And that's part of what we're doing this morning. I just want to read this one scripture. I know you're still there in Zechariah. But I wanted to read this from First. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, chapter 11. But I fear, Paul said to the church in Corinth, lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So Paul addressed false things. The, Peter addressed false doctrines, false prophets, false, uh, false things that are going on in the church. And he showed a genuine concern with true believers he went to true believers, Paul said, I fear, lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, that's the first temptation and sin of man that we, that's recorded, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. He was speaking to the church. Okay, we have to be on guard. So all we think about all the time, as I say, we're looking for a false doctrine around every corner. We're looking for a little seducing spirit or doctrine of a devil every time someone opens their mouth. No, we're not. We're pressing in close to the Lord and walking with him. But as we do that, we are going to be more and more aware this is of God. This is not of God. You might hear someone speak or re be reading a Christian book or listening to a Christian speaker. And that's good, that's good, amen, amen. All of a sudden, boom, he says something, or she says something, you say, that didn't sound quite right. 
to keep listening and you hear something else and you say, that didn't sound quite right. And, and God gives us discernment. doesn't sound quite right, not because we just don't like it or don't like their personality. It doesn't sound right according to the scriptures because we know the scriptures and because the spirit of truth guides us into all truth in the word of God. The two are working together, the Holy Ghost in the believer and the living word of God, which sanctifies us, which we heard so wonderfully in, in Sunday school this morning. Um, but these, these people, these, whoever it is, and there's not, never been an age or an era, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, right up until our day where there weren't false. You know, every time there's a real, there's a false, okay? I'm talking about things that are spiritually false, spiritually not of God, but they may profess to be. But it says they comfort in vain. Uh, it's, it's a vain comfort what's offered by progressive Christianity and so-called, so-called Christianity, but it's really not. And it says in that scripture we read in Zechariah, they went away as a flock. So I just God's people, I kind of look at them, they went away. They went away. Giving sedu- heed to seducing spirits and doctors of devils, some will depart from the faith. They're in the faith. They're, they're surrounded by the truth. They're walking in light of the truth, and they depart from it, not because there exists seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, but because they gave heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. I always think about the church in Galatia. They're, they uh, went after the teachings of the Judaizers, which was a mixture, and there is no mixture with the truth, but it was a mixture of the law and Judaism for righteousness, for salvation, and for living. The law was blended together. Did you have to keep the law? And you know, grace and Jesus too. Well, there's not gra- grace in Jesus too plus the law. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, amen, and life in the Spirit. But they were to blame. The Judaizer teachers were to blame. God will judge them. God will hold them, hold them accountable for every false thing they said and how they led his people astray. But you know who else was very accountable? Was the Galatian church. They were born again. They had the Word of God. They had the Holy Spirit. And I think we're so quick to blame that false teacher or that person deceived that whole church. Well, you don't have to be deceived. You can get up and walk out. You don't have to stay there and take it. And and just you swallowed something you knew wasn't right. And next Sunday you swallow something else you know is not quite right. Before you've swallowed it all. And then you're deceived and you don't understand what's going on. And you, it's almost impossible. Not with God. But it's almost impossible to snap somebody out of it basically. And to show them the error of the way. Because they've swallowed it for so long. But we are responsible to the Lord. What do people desire today? And it's not just today. But people desire smooth words. Easy sermons. People want, I'll tell you what people want. They want to engage in discussions. These are some of the phrases and words. Dialogue. They want to revisit, reimagine, have spiritual discussions about spiritual things and about the Bible and about doctrine and about seeking after truth. You know what they don't want? Many people today don't want, they don't want the truth. Oh, they'll, they'll go in a big group of people and go after podcasts and po- after podcast and book after book about spiritual dialogues and discussions and bringing unity among the different faiths and all this type of stuff. What they absolutely don't want is the truth. They don't want the truth. They don't want to be convicted of their sin. They don't want to be told that there's only one way to God and the Father and to heaven, and it's through Jesus Christ. They don't want to be hated or ridiculed by this lost world. They don't want to incur the, world, the world's frown upon their lives. They don't want to be branded as being bigoted, narrow-minded, intolerant, uh, closed-minded. They don't want to be separated unto God. They don't want to make the hard choices that cost them something. They don't want to make a clean break from their sin and a clean break from the world. Just listen to this if you would. I'm going to read this from Isaiah 38 through 11. Now go. Write it before them in a table and note it in a book that it may be for a time to come forever and ever that this is a rebellious people. Now, I know the Lord's dealing with Israel right here, but they were still his people. We're the church. We're his people in in this day. That this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, 
or to the prophets, see not. And to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits. Get you out of the way, turn aside out of the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Now that's not the false teacher's fault right there. That's the people, a rebellious people saying, uh, don't prophesy unto us right things. Speak unto us smooth things. Prophesy deceits. Get thee out of the way. Turn aside out of the path and cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. That's people. That's people that claim to want to know the Lord, but they really don't want to know the Lord. They don't want a pastor. That scripture we opened with in Zechariah says that they went away as a flock because there was no shepherd. They don't want a pastor. They don't want a true shepherd to care for their souls. They don't want a true shepherd to lead them in the paths of righteousness, to get involved in their lives and speak the truth into their lives. They'll leave that church or that counselor or that pastor, and they'll find someone who will speak unto them smooth words that comfort them, but that comfort is in vain. They would much rather than a true pastor. They would much rather a facilitator, a buddy, a thought-provoking witty, worldly-wise teacher or someone to speak into their lives, someone that's progressive, someone that thinks outside of the box, someone that keeps up with the times, someone that doesn't offend them and doesn't offend the world, someone that doesn't demand anything of their lives. Can I tell you that that's not Christianity? That's not the Christ of Christianity. That's not the God of the Scriptures. That's not the faith that was once delivered to the saints. That's not so great a salvation. For, for, for progressive Christians and progressive Christian thought and thinking, there are no absolute truths. Now, this is nothing new. You could say, well, 20 years ago when it had a d- different label, there was people like that. So I agree with that. It can change from the emergent church or the postmodern church. Now, now the title that they're all kind of in, in compassed in is the progressive church. We're progressive. We're progressive. We're forward thinkers. We're moving forward. Uh, for, 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 for progressive Christian thought and thinking, there are no absolute truths, no absolute truth. All is open to be put on the table like we read some from uh, John Pavlovich last week who is a big progressive uh, blogger and, and follower of this, this thought. But he says, all tradition, he's talking about church, Christian church, all tradition, Christian tradition, dogma, and doctrine is open for discussion. It's all on the table. There are no sacred cows. So the resurrection of Christ, hey, that's open for discussion. You believe it happened. You don't believe it happened. You believe he passed out and then kind of revived. You believe it was just the whole thing's an allegory. Hey, it's all open for discussion. That's the type of things they're talking about. Um, and so there's no, there are no absolute truths, but all is relevant truth, and all is open to be discussed. All doctrine, all the Bible you hold in your hand or in your lap is open to be discussed and dismissed and rejected because it's archaic, because it's biased, because it's ignorant, because it's superstitious, because it's irrelevant, because they say it's error-filled. No absolutes. I found that there is one absolute truth for all the postmodern thinkers. The only absolute truth in progressive Christianity is that the Bible-believing Christian is absolutely wrong. They start with that thought. If you believe all 66 books of this Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you believe it's the inspired, infallible, authoritative word of God forever settled in heaven, that Jesus Christ is the only son of God and unique and died and rose again physically according to the scriptures like we studied in 1 Corinthians 15 last week, and that he is the only way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to the Father but by him. If you believe that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and that the wages of that sin is death, but the gift of God through faith in Jesus is 
is uh, eternal life through Jesus Christ, you're absolutely wrong. That's the only enemy they have. It's the only anathema for the progressive Christian or any whatever label they choose to, to umbrella to put themselves under or a different label tomorrow. They absolutely believe the Bible-believing Christian is absolutely wrong. The Bible-believing pastor, the Bible-believing church, the Bible-believing church member is wrong. Uh, the one who seeks by the, by the grace of God to live according to the word of God, that one's wrong. You're wrong. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. He told the devil that. We have it recorded in the Gospels. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. How shall I live? Don't live by bread alone. Live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's how you live. That's how you make choices. That's how you function. That's how you find the path. That's how you're led the right way to go. By the word of God. The just shall live by faith. So we believe the word of God. We live by the word of God. Amen. But the one, according to the progressive Christian thought, the one who seeks to actually live that out is going to be wrong, going to be intolerant, going to be labeled hateful, going to be labeled bigoted, biased, ignorant. It's only the one who actually, us who gather in this just church this morning, to sit under the authority of word, the Word of God. And we teach, we're teaching our children, God is true. God's Word is true. What does the Bible say? We're wrong. We're absolutely wrong. You know, the New Agers have some, some good input. The Hindus have some good input. But we're wrong. The ones that actually believe the Word of God and strive to walk it out by the grace of God. Amen? By the grace of God. We're wrong, hateful, intolerant, biased, archaic. I want to read some, uh, some more about this uh, progressive church, okay? Just researching it. Progressive Christianity, Christians, I'm sorry, perceive biblical Christianity is fundamentalist, unloving, uncompromising, and too intolerant to the ever-changing secular culture and moral values of the modern day world. So I want to ask, can you handle it? You know what I'm saying? Can you handle it? Because that's already what they think about you. That's not that when they get to know you better, they're going to think, think about you. That's what they think about you and I gathering this morning in a church, me wearing a tie, okay, having something called Sunday school where we study the, the, the Bible together, believing it, saying amen to it, even if we don't understand it fully, and putting ourselves under the authority of God's word, calling sin, sin, and righteousness, righteousness. They already believe that we are unloving, uncompromising, and too intolerant. But Jesus Christ did it. He called sin, sin, and nobody ever loved like the Lord loved, dying for sinners, amen, intolerant to the ever-changing secular culture and moral values of the world. That's what we are, according to them. Progressive Christians oppose biblical Christianity's intolerance to homosexuality, abortion, or the biblical assertion that Jesus Christ is the exclusive way for salvation. Progressive Christianity presents a distorted theological view which does not oppose or offend the world's value systems. They seek to conform to the moral and unbiblical standards of the world. They want to merge with it. They want to blend with it. They want to be accept, accepted by it. Just, I'm going to read some more. Y'all just stay with me. So you know the thought that I'm talking Even if you don't know the term progressive Christian or postmodern or emergent church, it almost doesn't matter. This thought is not of the Lord. This mindset that rejects Christ and the gospel and the word of God as being the authority. It, what ends up, they're the final authority. I'm the final authority. I will choose whether I believe this or don't believe this. I might believe some of the parts of the Bible, but I reject these other parts that I don't like. They set themselves up as little Caesars, as little gods, to, to be the judge of all truth. 
Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He's the truth. Amen. Progressive Christians do not believe that the Bible is inerrant, authoritative, or the infallible word of God. Well, I read it last week in our doctrinal statement. That's number one on our doctrinal statement. I said it's not just ours. Any basic uh, conservative true Christian church has that. I didn't invent that. Okay. Instead, they believe the Bible to be a human-inspired resource with errors like other religious literature. Based on this, they believe the Bible's teachings can be questioned, criticized, opposed. The Bible's teaching, not mine or yours. They believe the Bible teachings can be questioned, criticized, opposed, or ignored. They do not believe in biblical or doctrinal absolutes. They believe that truth can be relative, okay? And uh, they, they claim to be very open-minded. We're narrow-minded, according to them. They're open-minded. They're open to new thoughts and new things and whatever's evolved and what science has discovered and all these things. They're open to it. But they're dishonest in the sense that they say we're seekers of truth. We're seekers of truth. But right as they began... They'd set the Bible off and say, we'll go to it, we'll look at it. But we're already saying ahead of time that it's not the infallible, authoritative, inerrant word of God. So they're dishonest right from the beginning. If truth led them to believe the Bible, we've already rejected the Bible as being truth. So it's not an honest seeking of truth. They are being led to a predetermined rejection of truth. They're being led by a facilitator, by a progressive Christian pastor. They're being led to a predetermined end. They think we're just all together, me and the pastor, all of us. We're on just search for truth. Let's see where it takes us. I can tell you where it's going to take them. The pastor knows ahead of time where he's going to take them. He's taking them where he wants to take them. And he makes it seem open and we're all equal and we're, we, we're just all searching this together. And what are you and how do you feel about this? And but they're all going the way he wants them to go. He's going to make sure they end up there and they're going to ridicule and smirk and kind of roll their eyes a little bit about the Bible Christian, uh, Bible believing Christians that believe God's word is the authority. They reject that. The Bible says, Paul told Timothy, or it's a scripture we're going to use a lot. You need to know where this one is in your Bible. Uh, 2 Timothy 3 14 and 15. But continue. Last things that Paul's writing, last few paragraphs before he's martyred for the Lord. He's writing to Timothy, and this is what he sees fit to write in his last little bit. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Continue in it. Continue in what? Continue in the things you already know. Continue in, he specifically says it, from a child you've known, what? The Holy Scriptures. What are they able to do? Holy Scriptures are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. It's one or the other. We can't take the Bible partly. You know, it's one or the other. We, if we take the Bible, then we take the Bible. Make a clean choice. Choose, choose to follow and believe what God has given us in his word. It can't be one or the other. Uh, the Bible says that no lie is of the truth. No lie is of the truth. So it's not a, bl- a blend or a mixture. We accept the truth. We accept Christ and the word of God that he has endorsed and given to us. And we embrace it or we embrace the false. It's not an in-between uh, middle of the road type of thing. It's just not there. I want to keep reading a little bit more about uh, the progressive church here for just a moment. They believe that the teachings of Jesus provide but one of many ways to experience spiritual redemption or salvation. Teachings of Jesus are just one of many ways. Now this sounds just like total new age or, or something but they, the reason that we're spending time on this, y'all, is because they call themselves Christians. 
this would fall under the big umbrella. You'd find their books on the Christian websites and their blogs if you Googled, you know, Christian blogs or whatever. This stuff would pop up. Uh, they embrace other religions or spiritual views as being different roads that lead to salvation or the same God. When you see a civic group or a city or some kind of uh, show, I call it a show for TV, and on the platform they've got a, a Native American and they got a witch doctor and they got a Hindu and they got a, a Muslim and they have a Mormon and they stick a Christian up there and a, and a uh, Armenian, you know, uh, some kind of uh, Catholic or, or whatever Orthodox priest up there, I would run from that. I would run from that. We're going to hear a prayer about by Rabbi so and so, and then Imam so and so is going to give a prayer, and then Pastor so and so from First Baptist is going to get up there and, and give a, a, a little talk as well, because we have more that unites us than divides us. Aren't those wonderful little slogans and phrases? But that's what they do. We're all about coming together. We're all about community. There's more that unites us than divides us. Christ died for all. Amen? Christ died for all, for everyone up on that platform, for that Baptist minister and that Muslim imam. But I have no fellowship with them. I don't hate them. I pray for them. The only relationship I would have would be to bring them the gospel and share that with them. If they want more, I'll bring them more. If they need to be served and ministered to in some way, serve and minister to show them the light of Christ. It's not a hatred. It's a hatred of the false and the devil that's got them bound and on their way to hell. Professing that we're all of the, the same, you know, more that unites us than divides us type of thing. This is the thought within progressive Christianity. Uh, I'm going to keep reading. Their def definition of salvation includes the pursuit of moralistic wholeness that is primarily based on the world's standards and values. That's new age. Uh, it's, it, to me, it's a lot of new age. Their definition of love, listen, what their definition of love includes the acceptance of various unbiblical or immoral lifestyles so as not to offend people. Do we get up in the morning and say, I want to live in such a way, speak in such a way, think in such a way, react in such a way as, though, as to not offend people that don't know Jesus? That's really not what we get up and we serve God. Some people will be blessed by it. Some people will hate us because of it. But I fall and rise to one master, and that's the Lord. I don't have to confuse myself with, can I make the homosexual community happy? Can I make this person happy and that person happy by the way I live and act and speak and the things I do and don't do? Jesus said, woe unto to them when, when uh, you, when all men speak well of you. For so did their fathers to the false prophets. You don't want, I don't want all men to speak well of me. Do I want to be hated? No. Jesus said, I will be hated by all men for his name's sake. I don't go out with the intent to incur the wrath of the world upon me. I make relationships with people just like you do or anyone else does. But I'm not going to, we're not to compromise the truth in order to make that person unoffended. You ever thought about this? So the progressive Christian who is wanting so much not to offend the world and the life, immoral lifestyle of the world but their life is already an offense to God. The things they're saying, their rejection of Christ in his word, their defiance, their rebellion, their pride, it's an offense to the Lord. Progressive Christians seek community that is inclusive of people of all sexual orientations and gender identities. Therefore, they support, listen, this is important, they support the LGBTQ lifestyle. That's important, I think, that word lifestyle. They support the LGBTQ lifestyle as morally and spiritually acceptable. Now, we need that to sink in for just a second. They're redefining Christianity. They're redefining love. They're redefining salvation. They're redefining all these things. A Christian, a progressive Christian pastor 
can be gay, I'm quoting from this, and perform same-sex marriages. They embrace a mixture of ideologies and spiritual, uh, for everything from the New Age to law of attraction, humanism, pantheism, evolution, many other alternative sources of theological truth. I'm putting quotes around that word truth. It focuses on political correctness, social justice, climate change, and moralism. So just let some of it sink in for a second. I don't have to get on a bandwagon, and I'm not going to spend the next months and years of our church talking about this. We'll talk about it as God leads us to talk about it so that we understand the times in which we're living. But our focus is not on political correctness. Our focus is not on social justice, what's called social justice, okay? Our focus is not on climate change. Our focus is not on uh, getting, to, getting along rather have the world that doesn't know the Lord. Amen? The progressive Christian would rather have the approval and acceptance of the world than the God that created the world. It's really an amazing thing. Y'all bear with me. I'm going to keep reading a little bit more of this. we got some scriptures we're going to look at. Progressive Christianity challenges and questions the work and deity of Jesus Christ. If that's on the table. We'll come together and we'll discuss it. Did Jesus die on the cross for the sins of the world? I think he did. I, I think he did. And I think it's a story made up to teach us how to live good. I don't think there really was a person named Jesus Christ. I think it's more of a story to teach us how to love one another. Uh, do you think he was a real person and the son of God born in Jerusalem, in Bethlehem? about two th- No, no, we don't believe that. It's all open for discussion. Discussion. Does not progressive Christianity does not respect the teachings of Christ as being authoritative and final. Does not respect the uniqueness and the work of the and the person of Christ as being God incarnate, sent to save humanity from sin. Christ is minimized to being a good moral teacher who is one of many ways to God or heaven. Such a low view of Christ is an insult to the person of Christ and to the finished work that he he did on the cross to save sinners, to reconcile sinners unto God. The Bible says, For there is one God and one mediator between men and God, God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Y'all, it's just comes simply down to this, and we'll close more with this thought next week. But it comes simply down to the thought of, do we believe the teachings of the Bible and the Bible, is it going to be our final authority that we go to or is all on the table? If all on the table is on the table, then we've already rejected that this is the truth. We already have determined we're not going to accept that as being true and we're just going to blend right in with the world. But all the time, we want to say we're Christian or I know God or I'm saved or me and God are tight or Jesus is my homeboy and we want to go through life with all these kind of things that everything's just great, and it's not at all what God's Word says. A few more quotes here. Uh, Progressive Christianity proclaims another Jesus and a different gospel. What does the Word of God say about that? I I think it was uh, Spurgeon. I can't remember. He he was quoted as saying, To a man who doesn't believe the Bible is the Word of God, I have nothing to say. Now, that might be a little drastic, but I understand his thought behind it. If I'm going to sit down and talk to anybody, just a lost person who knows nothing, or someone that would be of this progressive mindset, or someone that strongly believes in another god or deity, and and I, I can't even start off to talk to them because they have totally rejected that the Bible is the Word of God. And that's where I'm going to come. Everything I say to them, is going to come from the Bible. And they've already rejected that that's the Word of God. You understand his point of that. We have to have some kind of starting point to start. And it is the Word of God that we're to live by and, and to mightily convince people through the Scriptures. But the Bible says, Paul says, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. That's what these people are doing. They take the gospel. They didn't start with something new like let's worship that oak tree out there and give it a name. 
or whatever. They, start, they take the gospel of Christ and they pervert it. They twist it. And this was going on in Paul's day. This is nothing new. This is work of Satan, okay? He said, they, and they would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, Paul speaking of himself, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Somebody else comes and preach a, preaches another gospel. He talks in Corinthians about another Christ, another gospel, another spirit. But it comes under the name of Jesus, comes under the name of the Holy Ghost, comes under the name of truth, comes under the name of this is the way to salvation, this is the way to know God. And it's false. Paul says, if I come back next week and do that, let me be accursed. Paul's not the final authority. The Word of God's the final authority. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the Lord's the final authority. If I die tomorrow or you die tomorrow, the truth is still the truth. It doesn't need me in one sense to to represent the truth. The truth is the truth, okay? So if I went off the deep end tomorrow, I say, don't let me, keep me from it, come and grab me. But if I went off the deep end tomorrow, you're not obliged to follow me off the cliff. Amen? I don't want you to. I want you to help me from going over it. Amen? But that's what uh, Paul says. A couple more thoughts. Progressive Christianity minimizes sin. Does the Bible minimize sin? We read about the first two human beings that ever lived, and they sinned. God didn't minimize. He said, in the day you eat of it, you're going to die. I don't think he minimized it. So sin was passed, death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. The Savior came to save the world from sin. They minimize sin, and by, so, by doing so, they also are going to create false converts to Christianity to salvation. They're going to make people think they're saved when they're not saved because they didn't hear the truth. They didn't believe the truth because they never heard the truth. They believed whatever they were told. They believed that. So somebody pats them on the back and says, you're enlightened now. You're here. You're arrived. You're good. God's going to bring you to heaven one day. And, and it's a lie. It, it, promotes, it promotes various sinful lifestyles as being morally acceptable. Now, I want you to read this in your Bible. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It's a wonderful passage. And when we're talking about things like this, about, you know, what about the this person? What about the homosexual? Doesn't God love them? And what about this and that? This, to me, is, is the mindset. And this is the truth. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. But take heed. No, I'm in the wrong scripture. Know, that, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? It's a question. Don't you know this? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God, period. Don't be deceived. It's, it's not, well, I was deceived because I, you know, somebody might, I, I believe that. I believe because I've been listening to these people and God's a God of love and he certainly wouldn't send anybody to hell and they're such nice people and they say they believe in God and I just believe it's all going to work out in the end and God's going to bring them to heaven. But it doesn't matter what you think or it doesn't matter what I think. Don't you know the unrighteous are not going to inherit the kingdom of God? And he says, there shall not, the end of verse 10, inherit the kingdom of God. So he says it twice. But then here's the grace of God part that I'm thankful for, that you're thankful for. When we bring this gospel to a lost person that may be involved in any of those things that were just listed there, here's the good news. And such were some of you. Some of the actual believers in Corinth were effeminate were adulterers, were revilers, were drunkards, were extortioners, and maybe multiple. Maybe they did many of those things. Such of us, some of us sitting in here, amen? Such were some of you, but you are currently now. You were that. You're not that now. You know why? Because if any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. I'm not a saved drunkard. 
I'm not a same homosexual. I'm born again. I'm new in Christ. I'm not a homosexual that's a Christian. I'm born again. I'm born again. I'm not a murderer with a murdering heart still murdering people that's a Christian. I'm born again. I killed people before. I don't now. I'm new in Christ. I used to go out and get drunk. I could drink with the best of them. I was known as a drunkard. I'm not a drunk Christian anymore. I've been saved. I've been born again. I'm new in Christ. This is the gospel. This is good news. Amen? So I'm not a practicing homosexual calling myself a Christian. That's why I said earlier when I read that about the lifestyle of the LBGTQ, whatever else they want to add to it, uh, community. He says, but you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. We're not that anymore. I can stand up and say, I am not that anymore. Have I sinned since I've been saved? Yes. I've had to ask God to forgive me. But I'm not that person I was before. Whatever was my favorite sin, whatever was my biggest sin, whatever sin I was in the greatest bondage to at that time, I'm not that anymore. My life is not identified by being a drunkard, a murderer, a reviler, a fornicator, an adulterer, a homosexual. And I don't put a big banner in a rainbow and and celebrate it. And then say at the same time, but I'm okay with God. God's okay with this. He's not okay with that. We just read it. Such will not inherit the kingdom of God. They're not. They have to come out by faith in Jesus. They can't get themselves out, but they can turn to one who can get them out. And I can tell you it's not just their homosexuality that's going to send them to hell. It's their sin. It's their sin nature. It's the fact that they have rejected Christ and continue to reject Christ. But don't keep living that way and say, God's good with this. God's good with this. This is okay. And that's what progressive Christianity does. It's saying all the time, this is okay. An unrepentant lifestyle of sin and saying, it's okay. God accepts this. I'm a Christian. In fact, not only does God accept it, but God, I'm going to celebrate it. I'm going to celebrate this. Celebrating sin and immorality. You can call me what you want to call me, but I saw that God rained down fire and brimstone upon Sodom and Gomorrah because of that. Unrepentant. And he gave them a space to repent. And any other sin that just shakes it in the face of God and says we're okay. I'm going to bring this to, to a close. They seek the love of the world and not the love of Christ. Jesus said, if the world hates you, Know that it hated me before it hated you. But yet the progressive Christians seek the love, the favor, the acceptance, the smile, the admiration of a world that put Jesus on the cross. We want them to love us. We want them to love us. Jesus says, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Who hated Jesus? The world. The world. This whole world hated Jesus. I'm not saying every individual person on the planet the world as a whole, and the world system, and the world mindset, and the world thinking. And know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. He's telling his disciples, but Lord, can't, can't we make them love us? Can't we compromise a little bit and get, no, he, he says, I've called you out of the world. You're in the world, but not of the world. You're hated just like I'm hated. That's why I said, can we handle it? Can you make up your mind ahead of time? It doesn't mean we walk out the door and somebody's going to beat us up. It means we're hated. Our doctrine, what we believe, what we practice, what we accept, what we reject, who we worship and love and adore and admire, all, all that is hated by the world. They'd even say, okay, do your little Christian thing over there. Just leave me alone. But when you start, but but that's not my little Christian thing. Part of my little Christian thing is the Great Commission. I'm going to tell you about Jesus. You understand? You start incurring the wrath. Part of my Christian thing is not to 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 condone 
what's going on here. I'm not the policeman of the world. I'm not the moral police to go around and try to fix every wrong that's on the planet. I am called to live for Jesus without compromise. I am called to walk in boldness and open my mouth when he gives me the opportunity and the unction of the Holy Spirit. I am called to tell people about the Savior. They're going to die one day. They're going to die one day. And I'm going to say, they'll be in hell and I'll be in heaven. They'll say, why didn't you tell me? I know that's not actually going to happen like that. Why didn't you tell me? Well, I didn't think you'd listen. I think you were, you would have hated me. You would have ridiculed me. You would have punched me in the face. You would have mocked me. I would have lost my job. I would have lost my promotion. I would have got kicked out of the school. Why didn't you tell me? I don't know. Too busy. That's why I didn't tell you. That's, that's why you're there. I was too busy preparing a sermon. James 4, 4 says, Know ye not, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with Christ? Therefore, whosoever shall be a friend of the world is the enemy of Christ. I didn't write that. Whoever will be, that's your will, that you want, what you want to do, what you're seeking after. I want to be the friend of the world. Then that right there, the word of God says, is the enemy of Christ. We're spiritual adulterers and adulteresses, spiritually, because we've compromised Christ in his word I have so much more I want to say I'm gonna I believe the Lord would have me to to bring this to a close Uh, I want you to turn with me we'll close with a couple of scriptures in John chapter 14 verse 23 and 24 John 14 23 and 24 I know y'all tell people about Jesus, and I tell people about Jesus. But I just think sometimes how often I don't when I could and I should. John 14, 23 and 24. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my what? My words. And my Father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. To me, that would be someone that's a a progressive Christianity thought. I don't despise them or hate them. But here's what Jesus says. He that loveth me not keeps not my sayings. He's not going to keep my word. He's not going to obey my word. And if I don't think the word of God is the word of God, that the Bible is actually the inerrant, authoritative uh, uh, word of God, then I'm not going to keep it. And Jesus says, if you love me, you're going to keep my words. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. John 15, 9 and 10. And D, you can come. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. How do I continue in the love of the Lord? In verse 10, if you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. It's not the only scripture that deals with this, but this is pretty clear right here. I want to love God. I want to walk. The Lord says, well, look, walk in my ways. Walk in my words. Keep my commandments. Well, you don't, people don't want to hear that today. It's legalistic, pharisaical. Jesus said, you want to continue in my love? Walk in my words. As I keep my Father's commandments and walk in his love. We're to walk in that, y'all. And I'm just going to close with that. I have so much more, but I believe that's where God would have us to end. I do pray you'll come to the altar for a few minutes this morning. Let God deal with your heart. It's not a hatred. It's a hatred of, of the devil who's behind it and deceiving people. It's a hatred of taking the name of Christ and Christianity and so forth and putting it over something that's false. 
we need to step out and stand up. God will show us the specifics of how to, how and where and when to talk. But I tell you what, we need to be inclined. We need to have that bent, that I'm ready. Like when Paul received the Macedonian call we talked about on Wednesday night, he was ready. He instantly said, we're going to go there and bring the gospel to those people. We need to be ready. And, and for God didn't have to wake us up, shake us up, slap us around a little bit to finally get us to go out and share the gospel. We don't have to plan a church function. We ought to plan some church functions to go witness, but we don't have to wait for that in, other, in, to, in order to win people to the Lord and to bring this gospel. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. And God, we just humble ourselves before you, a lot like we heard in Sunday school, Lord. We, we want to humble ourselves before our God and our Maker and our Savior, Lord a true contrition of heart, not a false humility that draws attention to ourselves, but humbling ourselves before you, saying, God, you're the potter. We're just the clay. You saved us by your grace. You've given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You've made us your very own, and you promised to never leave us nor forsake us. God, I pray you would use us for your glory in this. Lord, this world doesn't know what to believe because when they look at what's called Christianity, it's not Christianity. I pray when they look, they would see true Christians, true saved people filled with the love of God, filled with the Spirit of God that care about their souls. I pray they would see that when they look at us in this room. And they hear about Cornerstone Church of Baton Rouge. Or they meet us at work or out where we, where we are. That we wouldn't be a false representation or a poor or hypocritical critical representative of Christ. God, forgive us. God, forgive me, Lord. So easy to, to pick apart the errors of others. That's not hard to do. What's hard to do is to love them and to bring them the truth. Pray you give us boldness, God, in this hour. In Jesus' name.